You're listening to the Arts Emergency Podcast. Welcome to episode 21 of the Arts Emergency Podcast, the podcast that gives young emerging artists a platform and a source of inspiration each and every month. It's our final podcast of the year, and I think it's universally agreed that 2016 has been a tough one for many. But that means that everyone is all the more hopeful that 2017 is going to be a good one. While I'm a great believer in the idea that if you want to do something, you should just do it, whatever day of the year it is, I can also totally appreciate that a new year is a great opportunity for a fresh start. So if you haven't come up with a New Year's resolution just yet, keep listening as I'm about to present an audio guidebook of all the very best advice that's been offered by some of the most incredible guests to have graced the Arts Emergency podcast throughout 2016. Not only that, I'll also be filling you in on some of Arts Emergency's biggest accomplishments from the last 12 months, and you'll hear some familiar voices as a couple of students will be returning to the podcast to share the music that has summed up their year and is offering them some inspiration as they head into 2017. Every month of 2016 has brought a brilliant 10-minute segment created by some of the most amazing community groups and youth-led organisations in the country. Later in this episode, one of my personal favourites will be turning the tables on me as I appear as a guest on their radio show. Stay tuned for that. And make sure you listen all the way to the very end of this bumper episode as returning poet-in-residence Lewis Buxton will be sharing his new poem, New Year's Eve. And it really is a thing of beauty. But first, let's kick off our advice guidebook with a few words from Mandem on the Walls' Purcell Ascot. Percy, Joyvon and Dee dropped into the studio in January and proved they weren't just about the jokes. When I asked what their advice would be for young people hoping to break into the industry, here is what Percy had to say. Self-love is a big thing for me. I think just learn to love yourself. I think that answers a lot of questions and fears and things like that because, you know, you don't have um, a lot of the other things like, say, negative connotations like jealousy or or insecurities that come in your way that can affect your journey and your success. I think once you really just know who you are, you know, you know how to make the next choice. Just find that peace within and align yourself. Self-love was a recurring theme throughout the year on the podcast. More to come on that later in the show when you'll be hearing from fashion blogger The Slumflower and actor and director Elliot barnes Worrell. Loving yourself and believing in what you have to offer is so important. But with the creative industries being so competitive, it's easy to worry that you may just not be talented enough to make it. Mandem's Joy Van Wade has something to say about that. I would say um, one thing I stay true to is that hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. You Mm -hmm. you get a lot of people who believe that just because they've got a raw talent or they've got a gift that they're going to get from from A to Z. But that's never the case. It doesn't happen like that. And you see a lot of people who, you know, are not necessarily the best or the the most talented people that get to where they want to be due to character. Character is a big part of why people get to where they are because no one wants to work with an idiot no one wants to work with a fool everyone wants to people want to come to work with people that they like people that they enjoy so when you go to an audition they're not casting you just because you might be the best role but they're thinking about is he punctual is he going to be on time for set is he going to be you know there's all these different elements and another thing that we live by which is you know people don't buy what you do they buy why Why? you do it Mm -hmm. you can try and sell someone a a piece of you or, or sell someone your talent or be in someone's face and try and convey that you're the best or you're this or you're that but no one cares about that everyone cares about why do you do what you do because people fall in love with that you know if you want to access the heart then you've got to talk to the heart you've got to minister to someone's heart in order to kind of connect with them and allow them to buy into you and buy into what you do in your product so why do we do what we do here at arts emergency in january i'll be celebrating two years of working with ae and i'm so proud of all we've accomplished in the name of helping young people from tough backgrounds forge futures in the arts and humanities I refuse to accept the idea that working class people don't have just as much right to occupy the creative industries as everyone else. Privilege should never be a prerequisite for having a platform to tell your story. And certain areas of the arts shouldn't be closed off to everyone but the elite simply because that's been the narrative society has thrust upon us for decades. It's a big part of the reason I am so proud that in February of this year, Arts Emergency managed to get one of our mentees some work experience with London Symphony Orchestra something that's sure to be life-changing for that student and an achievement that kicked off a phenomenal year of student placements. More to come on that throughout the show. Before all that, the first of our mini student soundtracks in which we hear from my former mentee, Shay, who will be sharing a track with us that defines her hopes for 2017 after what has been a truly life-changing year for her. 
Hi, my name is Shay. I'm 19 from North London and I'm currently studying music technology and radio broadcasting and I would like to get into radio in the future. 2016 has been such a good year to me. I've met so many amazing people and I'm currently in my second year of university and everything's going well. I've been to countless events this year and I feel like there's always something happening in London, especially in grand music. Artists like Kapo Lee, YGG and Big Zoo have been some of my favourite Grammy MCs this year and I really feel like the genre is going from strength to strength. For 2017, I really want to show the world how creative I am and just like show everybody my personality so I'll be having my own radio show at my university. As well as hip-hop, grime and soul, I'm very into reggae and lovers rock so I've chosen Dennis Brown, Here I Come. I think it's a timeless song and a good way to start 2017. After a 2016 full of extreme lows, you might be left feeling like the best course of action is to never leave the house again, wrap yourself up in a blanket, part yourself on the couch and live life vicariously through social media and the TV. I totally get that. And believe me when I say I've been tempted to do the same on many occasions. In February, director and fellow podcaster Kane Chatty came by for a chat and had a few things to say on the subject of hiding yourself away. The most important thing I think for an artist is experience. If you don't experience nothing, you've got nothing to talk about. Yeah, real life is out there, isn't it? Yeah, so you kind of have to, even if you don't want to, you kind of have to just get out of your front door and go somewhere because you're going to feel something. Whether that's you feel happy, whether that's you feel sad, whether you feel alienated, whether you feel out of place. These are all feelings that you can then put back into a creation. So regardless of whether you want to do it, you have to do it because otherwise you're going to lack inspiration. You're going to have no energy to then convert into art. Wise words. I also asked Kane what his advice would be for young people who want to create but perhaps haven't had the courage to take that leap yet. It's funny because the question is so broad but the answer is so like specific <laughs> and short. And it's literally just do it. Like if you're not doing it, it's because you're putting, you're, you're making an excuse. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't have a camera. Well, get one. Oh, I don't know how to make music. So learn. It doesn't take much to get a, a job, even if you hate it for a little while, to afford a camera or to uh, afford a microphone. Or it doesn't take much to get on YouTube and learn how to play piano or learn how to make beats. You just have to really do it. And keep doing it and doing it and doing it until you do it well. And then other people are going to buy into your vision. And when I say well, it doesn't mean like it has to sound great. It means that your level of application matches the level of ambition. Don't place barriers in your way. Don't rely on anybody else. People get up one day and they make a conscious decision that they're going to do something. I am going to work at BBC Radio 1. Or I am going to go and win an Oscar. Or I am going to go and talk to that girl over there like I am going to do that and there is nothing that anybody can do to stop me that's literally the mindset that everybody who has ever achieved something has so you have to share that common mindset there's no secret there's no magic there's no juju there's none of that yeah it's literally just wake up think about what you want and do it So self-love, hard work and the courage to get out into the world and just do it. Next, playwright Deborah Pearson shares what has carried her through her career, starting with an essential element for every aspiring artist. Risk is really important to me when it comes to art. 
I like to see work where I can tell that somebody has risked something mm. emotional. And I try to do that with my work, too. I try to take some sort of emotional risk with it. If you're not risking anything, I don't know if I'd call it art. What would be your biggest piece of advice to a young person in particular who is just on the cusp of taking that risk, taking that leap and considering ways to tell their truth? I would say that if there's not a context for your work, then make that context. Be a little bit punk rock about it. You know, invite people over to your living room to see you do something make a piece that could happen in a public park and invite someone to the public park to see you do it. Just work around whatever way you can get your work out there because that's completely what I did when I was starting out because my work was too weird for anyone to really want to take a financial risk on it. So I just had to keep doing it until someone decided they wanted to pay me to do it. And I don't even know if the end goal should be getting paid but I do think that the end goal should be keeping going and getting your work out there. And I maybe have one last little bit of advice. I like giving advice. My, yeah. hus- my husband and I used to run an advice booth on Brick Lane when we were in our <laughs> early 20s. That's brilliant. Yeah, people would um, come by and we would give them advice for one pound. We'd type it up on a typewriter and give them a lollipop. I have to say of all of the work that I've ever done in my life, that advice booth on Brick Lane definitely gathered the most diverse audience and I say that in every way in I could I could mean that so I mean like people of all different ages people of all different ethnicities people of all different like walks of life just everybody loved the idea of sitting down with strangers and getting <laughs> advice on the Brick Lane market I totally I would do that I would 100% do that that's why people read their horoscopes isn't it because they want advice yes and so they're willing to allow themselves to be shoved into a category that's one of 12 in the hope that it will shed a little bit of light on the impossible decision that they have to make that day or you know, who they are even going to choose to be that day. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I would do it too. We were very cheap. We were one pound. But yeah, my last bit of advice, I suppose, would be about taking feedback. I think that that's something that's really hard for young artists. And it's something that keeps a fear of feedback, keeps people with like keeping their scripts in the drawer, keeping their, you know, keeping their work like hidden and not really getting out there with their work. I think if you can shift something in your mind around feedback, which is not that it's criticism, but that it's a kind of thought gift. And the same way that if someone gave you a hairbrush uh, for Christmas and maybe it was a kind of hairbrush you liked or maybe it's not a hairbrush that you like. Either way, you own it now. It's nice that they gave it to you and you can use it or not use it. And that's up to you, right? You can put it in the drawer and not use it or you can use it. And it also doesn't say you have the worst hair ever. Yeah, it doesn't say you have the worst hair ever. <laughs> Maybe you should cut it all off. It just <laughs> yes. says, here is a tool yeah. that might make your hair look even better than it is. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and if if it's not the right kind of, like if it's a hairbrush for curly hair and you have straight hair and they just haven't realized that, then that's cool. Just don't use it. It's fine. Be grateful that they gave you something, but you don't have to use it. I love the idea of Deborah's advice booth. Maybe this episode of the podcast can function in a similar way. Although, much like the hairbrush in her feedback metaphor, how you use the advice in this episode and whether or not you choose to use it at all is entirely up to you. Deborah graced the March episode of our podcast, which was the same month the wonderful Karis Nelcon started at Arts Emergency. For those of you who don't know, Karis is our service manager, which means she is the most direct point of contact between us and our students. I once described her as the glue that holds us together. She also makes a brilliant podcast of her own called Strictly Podcasting. No prizes for guessing what that one's about. Here to talk about the value of having a podcast and creating your own platform is film critic Rihanna Dillon, who featured on the show back in April. People like you and me, we are going out and making podcasts. That's what we do. I have one, yeah. you have one. You, you can write a blog and that may or may not get picked up. I think just kind of... I think you do just need to be really vocal. I think if you're a really exceptional writer or a really good orator, then people will listen or they will read your stuff. And mm. I think you just have to be really persistent about, I need to take some of my own advice, You like kind of <laughs> keep sending those emails, keep trying to get work experience, keep trying to get your foot in the door. And that persistence will pay off because people can only say no a certain amount of times, mm. you know, and just keep going until someone says yes. Persistence is key. 
But so is being resourceful and trying to think about things in a slightly different way to everyone else. How do you do that? Just by being you. Here is Rihanna again with her advice for up-and-coming filmmakers. You have to make a story that's personal to you, but you also need to find a story that hasn't really been told before. And I know that is so impossible nowadays. But if it's a story that's been told before, find a different angle. Don't just think, right, I'm going to do a a British gritty crime thriller and I'm going to use this actor because he's been in a lot of gritty British crime thrillers, you know? I think you just... Finding that an odd combination that works is so important. Finding something that sparks emotion. Ask your friends what interests them and try and make an amalgamation. I don't know. Do something eye-catching that's not really weird, that's going to scare people off, but will make people sit up and think, that is different. I haven't seen it done that way before. Great advice there for those of you who want to be a filmmaker or perhaps even a storyteller of any kind. It's so brilliant to know exactly what you want to be from early on. In April, one of our art students was offered an unconditional place at Camberwell School of Arts. And in May, another one of our students took to the stage as part of a youth theatre show at Royal Theatre Stratford East. It's so exciting to see mentees like that moving in the direction of their dreams. But what about those of you who aren't quite sure what you want to do yet? Or even those of you who want to do multiple things? One Extra DJ, Jam Supernova, had a few words to say about that back in April. This day and age, more than ever, you can be a slashy. And a slashy is someone that, I don't know, say myself, a DJ slash broadcaster slash A&R consultant slash, I don't know, one day label owner slash, I don't know, I like to bake as well, one day a baker. You never know. So I think it's important, you know, when you do go for jobs, I think more than ever they are looking for slashy. So embrace everything that you love doing. And yeah, don't let anyone tell you that you have to have one role. Yes, don't let anyone pigeonhole you. As someone who is a slashy myself, I totally endorse the idea of taking the time to explore all the things you love. Never, ever settle. In May, one of our youngest podcast guests, singer-songwriter Jamal Woon, dropped by and offered some sage advice to budding musicians. If you're wondering how he got signed by Sony ATV before he even reached 18, listen closely. If you can set yourself up a home studio, do it, because it will help. It will help. For musicians to be fair, teach, like learn learn music as well. Don't just think, okay, yeah, I can sing, it's cool. Because you don't want to be in a room with someone. They'll be like, yeah, so we're going to play A major seven. And you're like, what's that? The one thing I was told from someone, it was um, Labyrinth's manager. And he said to me, you wouldn't drive a car without doing driving theory. So why do music if you, if you can't do if you don't know music theory and I mean it's not a mandatory thing but if you can, if you have the time learn it so learn your craft incredibly important whatever area of the arts you wish to pursue and a big part of the reason why arts emergency has such a huge focus on making sure as many young people as possible have the opportunity to study creative subjects whatever background they come from Jamal also had a few useful tips on how to survive the industry no one would do anything f- for you so you have to go and do it yourself there will people that will assist you and may possibly help push you in that direction but the bottom line is you have to do everything yourself don't not for one minute think okay yeah you know i've I've got these set of people around me or i, or I can put these people in positions that they're going to do stuff for me because at the end of the day when you rely on other people you don't actually know what's going on you just you just you see the aftermath you see just the outcome um, don't get blinded by the bright lights of this. Every dog has their day. It's just about how long that day is. Man, I wish you'd stop being stubborn. Man, I wish you'd stop being stubborn. I'm sure I don't have to tell you why June was a pretty tough month for, well, approximately 48% of the country. And a great many more people who may have ended up regretting the big decision they'd been forced to make. It made me think a lot about the tough choices we all have to make throughout our lives. And in the run-up to the big vote, Arts Emergency co-founder Josie Long took to the podcast to offer her thoughts on the subject. Quite often, I feel very daunted by the idea of making like a commitment to making a big decision about something because 
if you take action, then you're shutting down possibilities. Like before you make a decision, you look out at all the different possibilities that you have and you have infinite possibilities, you know. Before you decide to write something, you could potentially write the greatest work of fiction ever written by any human being. But then once you start something, you write what you write. And it's real and it's not magic. It's a thing. It's there, you know. Before you work out what you want to do with your life, you don't know where you're going to go. You could do literally anything, but then you choose a path and you're on a path. And so taking action narrows down your possibilities. But if you don't choose something, possibilities are great. They're endless, but they're also meaningless. Possibilities don't mean anything. The only thing that will create things for you the only thing that will actually get anything worthwhile done is going for it so when it comes to needing to make a big decision trust yourself and trust the voice inside of you that tells you the truth you know deep down what the right thing for you to do is it's just a case of listening to that voice and having the courage to follow through and that can be really hard and that can take much longer than it needs to take Things will come out in the wash and they'll come out in the time they need to come out. So perhaps June wasn't the greatest month in British history, but that didn't stop us doing our thing at Arts Emergency. In fact, I'm pleased to say that we even managed to expand into my hometown, Manchester, matching 12 students with mentors in theatre, TV and art. You'll be hearing from one of them a little later in the show. Now, we've talked a bit about the idea of just getting on and doing it, throwing yourself into something and being persistent with it. But before you charge in like a bull in a china shop, have a listen to what rapper and producer Wise had to say when he stopped by a very hot studio back in July. Don't try and take shortcuts. That's like the one mistake people try to make and they do it every day. And that could be trying to... All right, you've been producing for about one year and you're trying to get someone that's been producing for 20 years to like share your music oh repost my song on your page you've got 200,000 followers you've been doing this for however long please repost my song don't do that you know what I mean build your sound first Mm. make sure you find a sound that you're comfortable with and make sure that you're not trying to punch above your weight that's one thing that I find a lot of people do man and and it's, it's quite annoying I used to do it and I, I don't mean that from like personal experience. I see people do it on Twitter all the time. They'll um, complain about not getting heard, but they haven't even been making music for, for a year. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, like, it's crazy. Earn your just stripes. Earn your stripes. Just just cre- create your sound, find your sound. And then, and you know, I mean, you, everything will come. You know what I mean? So I guess you've been building on that since, you know, well, for over, well over 10 years now. Yeah. And I, I haven't even, I'm not, I don't even find myself in a position to be, yeah, all right, I should be number one now. I should be in top 10. No way. No way. I've got so much more improving to do. And that's cool. You know what I mean? That's cool. I have no issue with that. It's just that, uh, you know what I mean? Just, just grind. You know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with grinding. There's nothing wrong with grinding. So true. And sometimes things might not fall into place right away. I like to say that every day is a brick. And that brick may not look or feel like you want it to, but it is absolutely essential in building the future that you want for yourself. So don't feel you have to rush. Don't try to skip to the end. Be patient and take every lesson as it comes. It's the thing I battle with the most, to be honest. But this year has really taught me that hard work does pay off sometimes when you least expect it. In August, grime photographer Vicky Grout truly saw the fruits of her labour when she launched her very first exhibition. Likewise, she's a big believer in the glory of the grind. I think you just need to just keep at it, really. And, like, even when I haven't got a job on, I'm still out shooting almost every day. Nowadays, I uh, I value my sleep a bit more. So nowadays, I'm a bit more... (laughs) I stay in a bit more but um when I was when I first started I was just shooting everything I was at every show I was doing everything possible and obviously I was never taught how to shoot or how to use a camera or how to do anything so it's all it's all practice really and the more the more you shoot the more you'll learn and the more you'll learn about yourself and how you like to shoot and your style and with editing as well obviously because I used to only shoot on film which you don't edit really what editing software do you use? Uh, Lightroom. Okay. And then, so I use Lightroom to do like a grade and just kind of set colour tones and brightness or whatever. And then 
I might use Photoshop if I need to like retouch anything, like remove anything or like smoothing someone's skin out or whatever. But even that, I'm still I'm still learning with that. Like I can I can do basics, but I can't do wonders with that. So even that, I'm still I'm still trying to progress on that. Like with the editing, it took me a long time to figure out my own style of editing, and I think I've I've got it now. But I want to improve it really. But it's practice. Yeah. So you, you talked about kind of just going out there and shooting anything. Not anything, but what interests you really. Not anything, but everything. Mm. If that makes sense. So kind of trying to find your niche. Trying to find as your niche, yeah. As possible. Just like outside of photography, obviously think about what interests you and what you like and just go and just be at everything of that. Maybe that's the key to all of it then. It's mm. just, um, it's about being yourself, isn't it? And about yeah. representing that through your art. And I think it needs to be obvious that you're very passionate about it. Otherwise, you're just going to look like you're doing it for, you know, the likes or the favourites. Or That takes me back to my initial point about making art for you. Because otherwise, yeah, this is not going to be organic. And people will see that as well. AJT won't let a thing slide. Cruising your block, bare things in a ride. Your man, them weren't prepared for the war. Rise, watch when I send to the sky. Lost Japan, who's that guy? Man, don't throw on a rhythm, I fly. Dead MCs weren't prepared for the dub plate. Rise, watch when I send to the sky. AJT won't let a thing slide. Cruising your block, bare things on a ride. Your man, them weren't prepared for the war. Rise, watch when I send to the sky. Lost Japan, who's that guy? Man, don't throw on a rhythm, I fly. As well as having Vicky on the podcast, August also brought the good news that one of our London mentees had been named as a contributor to The Guardian. And in September, another mentee scored an apprenticeship with Sky, and one of our Manchester Bay students was commissioned to write a play for Oldham Coliseum. That student was Millie McKeever, who you may remember from last month's episode of the podcast. Here she is with the song that sums up her 2016. Hi, I'm Millie Jo McKeever, I'm 18 years old and I'm currently at college in my second year and an arts emergency mentee. 2016 has been such a crazy year, however the main thing that I'm taking from it and moving forward is perseverance. You know, if you know that you want to be at some certain place and you're not quite there yet, then that's fine, you know, it takes time and you'll get there, but it comes with patience and determination and to be dedicated to something you're so passionate about, it's so worth it to get there when you do. One of the best things by far that's happened to me this year is getting involved with Arts Emergency and the opportunities that that's brought me, such as having a commission of my very first play that's been performed next February. You know, if somebody had told me a year ago that that was going to happen, I'd have just told them that they're crazy. With all that in mind about kind of um, staying positive and patient and just taking each new day and making something of it, the song that I've chosen is The Best Day of My Life by American Authors. If that doesn't leave you with a smile on your face, I don't know what will. So 2016 wasn't all bad, was it? One of my personal highlights was my conversation with poet Dean Atta in episode 18 of the podcast. We talked about everything from mental health to masculinity and where the two might meet in the middle. And as a fellow writer, I was keen to find out what his advice was on where to find inspiration for your work. Don't necessarily start by like writing supposing to understand someone else's point of view i'd say right from your own point of view first i guess my main inspiration comes from when something makes me really angry really upset really passionate in any other way but they're not always the best poems but sometimes they just need to be written you know you need to get it out of you and um, then you can like take some time out and then come back to it maybe a few weeks later and see if it's still a good piece of writing or if it was just a cathartic thing you needed to do Sometimes it's really good fun to just ask a friend or, you know, post online, say, give me a topic to write about and then like get that topic and just go for it. Give it a go. Other people have great ideas and don't write. So if they can give you that idea and you can write it, they'll be really happy. So ask your friends and family and anyone for some topics and then just give it a go. I love the idea that going with themes suggested by your nearest and dearest can be just as valuable as exploring your own personal truth. Storytelling was a big point of discussion when actor, photographer and contributor to Book of the Year, The Good Immigrant, Himesh Patel, was on the podcast. But what kinds of stories should we be telling? And why are those stories so, so important? 
Storytelling is powerful. Nikesh writes in his essay, Words Matter, you know, and, and he was saying it in a different context, but I think that sentence travels across everything. Words matter. And people will watch TV. We know they'll watch films. Hopefully more and more people are going to watch theatre. And I think that it's almost, in a way, the simplest way to expose people to different ways of thinking. And if you can tell a story about anything, you can tell a story about aliens, you can tell a story about just anything off the wall, but make it underneath about something poignant. Yeah, I think one of the best things I've ever seen that kind of does that really well is um, In the Flesh, which was a drama that I think did two series on BBC Three. And it was about people who had previously been zombies Mm. and been put back into society, having gone through rehabilitation. And it's a story about otherness, but told through zombies, you know. So it's the lens through which you can tell this story, through the lens through which you see these Mm. things, isn't it? It is. I mean, you know, you just hope that you stick to that kind of storytelling that's actually a reflection of our society. When we're doing these good immigrant tours, Nikesh will introduce the show and he he says, you know, why did I write the book? And he quotes White Teeth, the Zadie Smith novel. And there's something about, you know, Britain as a mirror and the lead character has no reflection. And that's, I think, the wow. the issue is that, you know, we are a massive mirror in this country. But if you, you know, look at our media, there's no reflection for some people. And that's the problem. But there are different ways of reflecting them. And I think if you're going to write something, try and reflect as much as you can in whatever way you can. I be your mirror, reflect what you are in case you don't know. I be the wind, the rain and the sunset, the light on your door to show that you're home. When you think the night has in your mind, that inside you're twisted and unkind. Let me stand to show that you are blind Please put down your hands Cause I see you The concept of being adequately reflected and accurately representing those around you really stuck with me. It's something I try and achieve in all my work and was a huge part of the conversation when I met director, actor, spoken word artist and all-around talented so-and-so, Elliot Barnes-Worrell. If you're late and you haven't checked out last month's podcast yet, I strongly suggest you do, even just to hear what Elliot has to say about Game of Thrones. In the penultimate piece of advice in our guidebook of inspiration, Elliot explores one of the most crucial components to making it as an artist. Think you're amazing and keep going. The work's the first thing that I've directed and it's not perfect. But if I didn't believe that I could have done that, I would have never made it. If I look back on it now, I go, God, I must have had some self-worth right there to think that I could get these actors together and a whole crew and a quite famous producer and a famous, like an Oscar-nominated actor to just call him up and ask how arrogant I must have been. It's not. If you have something you believe in, you've just got to convince people that it's great. You can make a film on your iPhone. What was that? Tangerine. Mm. It was made on an iPhone. We are each other's resources. Someone asked me tomorrow, hey, man, do you want to be in a short film? Like, we'll pick you up. It's only a week. I'm like, yeah, I don't need to be paid. Let's go. Yeah, let's do, do it. Do you know what I mean? And, and yeah, and, and embrace somebody's idea. Like, don't think why. Think, go, why not? Like, all right, cool. You're never going to lose anything. I'll never look back and be like, I wish I hadn't done that. Even mm. if it was slated. I'll never look back and say, oh, I wish I hadn't created a film. And I'm, I'm broke. But I'm broke as a result of making the first bit of art that I was part of that I went this makes me happy in every single way diversity the accents it being Shakespeare I filmed it in my neighborhood in Peckham where I'm from every every single part of this makes me happy and uh, you can't put a price on that I don't think we'll be wrapping up the podcast shortly with a brilliant New Year's Eve poem from former podcast poet in residence Lewis Buxton We've also got the best bits of my guest spot on Galdem's Worldwide FM show coming up. First, though, it's time for the final bit of advice in our scrapbook of inspiration that I've collected from an incredible year of podcast guests. I leave you with blogger, creative director and visual artist Chidera Agaru, also known as The Slumflower, who had some advice on the perils of social media. There is no wrong way to be a woman. 
the internet glorifies this particular body type and it just makes you believe that you know you should look like people like Kylie Jenner and I feel sorry for young girls who are growing up now with all these social media apps because we are literally just seeing other people pretend to be happy with their lives and it's making us believe that we are not doing enough for ourselves. I've realised that social media is just creating all these new insecurities that didn't even exist. The only way to break out of this is to just learn to be content with who you are. Because when it comes to the internet, you're never going to be enough. Even if you do get that snatched waist and the nice boobs and the nice straight nose, something else is still going to be wrong. So attempting to chase the ideal that social media is creating is like running in a circle because you're going to keep on meeting yourself at the beginning it's just mania absolute mania it's not anyone's job to like you man it's your job that's what i've had to learn it is my job to like me i'm not going to grow a new pair of boobs i'm not going to grow a new nose so i might as well love it because even if i did have the nose that i think i want i still wouldn't be content that's the thing you think you want something until you have it and then you have it and you're like hmm what's next Because human beings, we have this thing where we just have infinite possibilities. And it's a blessing and a curse because we are always chasing what we think is better, bigger, brighter, shinier. Like, we're never okay with just the now. That's what I really want to just do. Just really be okay with now and just learn to be content with where I am. Because that's the only way I'm going to have peace. I think everyone should just give it a go because... You are where you need to be. You are where you need to be. What a powerful sentence. A mantra I think I'll certainly be carrying with me throughout 2017. Some incredible advice there from some truly amazing people. I feel so lucky to have had them all on the podcast this year and I hope their words of wisdom have offered you some inspiration as we head into a brand new year. Since I started the podcast, I've been so chuffed to be able to support some of the most exciting youth-led organisations from around the country by inviting them on the podcast for their own 10-minute segment of the show. One such organisation was the brilliant Gal Demzine, who appeared on the podcast in February. Now, if anyone is a testament to how much you can achieve in a year, Gal Dem are that shining example. They're also a great illustration of how powerful we all are when we work together, collaborate creatively and support each other. So it was my great privilege to have the tables turned on me when I was asked to make a guest appearance on their radio show on Giles Peterson's Worldwide FM. Here's what happened. Hi, we're Galdem. We're Galdem. I'm Antonia. I'm Vara Yudze. And um, it's it's an exciting day for us because because we just won an award. Yes. So so basically, we're from Galdem, which is um, an online multi... Actually, it's multi-platform now, but it's a media site. And today we just we just won a comment award for online comment site of the year. Yeah, so we're pretty excited. We were grown in Bristol, uh, birthed in Bristol. Yeah, and uh, and to kind of celebrate our roots around the country, um, we're going to do a show today all about celebrating British music. We want to look at the scene as a whole and how different parts of the UK comprise the music scene that we have. That is so very special. So uh, we're in the studio with Carla Marie Sweet. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very good. Um, I'm still I'm still a bit flustered from my lateness, <laughs> but you you were prompt and on time. So I guess first of all, if you if you want to explain who you are and and what you do, I am an assistant producer at Radio One and One Extra, and that's kind of my bread and butter but I also help run an amazing charity called Arts Emergency who help young people from difficult backgrounds get into careers in the creative industries and gain access to the arts and humanities. It has an incredibly far-reaching mentoring system that pairs young people who want to get into different industries with people who are already established in those industries. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really exciting charity. And then I also like to write. So we, we, we kind of invited you on because you do amazing things in your professional life, but also because you're not from London. Um, this is true. <laughs> so where, where did you grow up? Where are you from? So I'm from Manchester originally and lived there until I was 12 
and then we emigrated to the States. We emigrated to Georgia and I did high school and everything there. So we're, we're looking at um, British music right now yeah. and focusing on... Uh, this is a disclaimer and this is really embarrassing to admit, but I've never been to the north of England. No way. I've never been. Oh, Have you'd you love not? it. I've never, I've never been further than Birmingham. I've been to Scotland, oh. but in between, that, yeah. like anything could be happening there. So I don't know about it. <laughs> anything <laughs> could be happening. Wow. And anything is happening. <laughs> right? I, I just don't know. But obviously, I mean, I feel like at the moment, like our music scene has kind of been sucked into London. I don't know if you find that with your work with like, um, with radio and, and who you're playing. 100%. Um, Tony actually asked me to, to pick a few tunes that we'd play today. And it wasn't until I got in here that I had a look at my little track list and I was like, oh my gosh, I have not picked one artist from outside of London, except, well, one who produced one of the tracks is from Brum. But other than that, everyone's from London. And given the fact that I'm from Manchester, that's really embarrassing and I feel really guilty because there are, there is an amazing Manchester music scene right now. Like, And the party scene up there and the club scene up there is amazing. I think you'd fit right in. I think you should go. I, w- I want to go. I want to go. Do a weekend trip. Get yourself to the Warehouse Project. But not just the Warehouse Project, you know. Everyone talks about the Warehouse Project because the lineups there are always amazing. But there are lots of really brilliant smaller clubs all around Manchester as well that I think get a bit overshadowed by the Warehouse Project and it's a bit disappointing for them I think um but yeah there's a really vibrant scene up there cool uh we're gonna get we're gonna get further into it um we're gonna choose one of your tracks from the selection that you've given us um and then we'll come back and talk some more about some of the people that you're tipping at the moment Shaka with Don't Call Me. So Carla, could you tell us like a bit about your earliest memories of music growing up? I kind of grew up in a house where, because my dad's black and my mum's white, there was a lot of different influences going on there. And um, both my parents were very much a part of the Manchester music scene, particularly in the 80s. You know, they went to the Hacienda and they hung out with John Cooper Clark. And, you know, like they knew kind of people who managed lots of bands like the Stone Roses and the Happy Mondays and all of that. So they were really part of that scene and part of that kind of rave culture. And so that was there in the background when I was growing up as well. But they were also really into, you know, jazz was kind of what was pouring out of the mm. out of the radio and out of the record player very much so when I was growing up. And I think that's what's led to my brother becoming a, a, a saxophonist. And yeah, so that those were kind of like the main influences. And I remember when I was about eight or nine, I joined Presswich Amateur Dramatics and I met this lad whose name was Danny Murphy and he gave me a cassette tape with um, 808 States In Your Face on it. And that was kind of my on first, cassette. yeah, on oh. cassette. And it was my first little introduction to dance music. And then there used to be this late night dance music show on Key 103, which was like the the, the Manchester radio station. And um, I used to sneakily listen to it in my earphones at night when my parents thought I was in bed. And I was always getting in trouble for like reading under the covers at night. And my dad would like always try and catch me out. And so he, he knew I'd be awake. And then he'd come into my room and he'd be like, where's the book? Where's the book? And I'd be like, ha, there is no book because I'm listening to dance music on the radio. Um, yeah, and that kind of turned into like garage a little bit further down the line. And then I moved to the US and the first kind of waves of grime started to filter through and I downloaded it a lot of it. What, in the, in the US? Well, only because I'd started kind of blogging, oh, when it, like okay. back when the very first blogging platforms yeah. kind of started, like Blogger and even Free Open Diary. And there were kind of whispers of it going on there. And I was like, what is this? What is this music? I need to know about this music. And then I discovered how to download torrents, which is illegal and people shouldn't do it. But Very it was naughty. the only way, it was the only way in Georgia of me accessing any kind of British music because... So that's amazing. So even though you'd moved so far away, yeah. you were still like, no, like I'm going to get on this on this UK wave. I'm going to find out about these British artists. 
Do you know what it was? It was me desperately trying to connect with my identity. Yeah. Because I'd just been transplanted into this place where, you know, everyone was basically speaking a different language to me and everyone was listening to, like, really heavy Atlanta hip-hop that was all about, like, rolling around in Cadillacs and going to strip clubs. And I was like, I don't know about them things. I don't do any of those things. But then, you know, I started listening to kind of Dizzy Rascal and even, like, the streets, you know. Things like sitting in a greasy spoon with your mates talking about the night out that you had before yeah. and, and I was like okay yeah I can identify were you, with that. Were you sharing the music that you were able to access with your peers in Jordan or no do you were, know what? were you keeping it all to yourself? I was embarrassed <laughs> I was I, I know really? I was actually embarrassed because it was wow. not like I just I just knew they wouldn't get it I knew if I played it to them they just would not get it and so I didn't I didn't really do that I just kind of yeah, like I had other musical interests outside of that and I'd kind of engage with people with that. But yeah, I kind of like hid it a little bit. It's weird, isn't it? Okay. So the only people I'd really share it with were people kind of, when MySpace started, I'd started to connect with people on MySpace and like chat to them about it. And I think that's what really got me into kind of blogging and all of that. And I think MySpace was a, was a really good space actually for... British artists that were outside of London to get their music heard on Definitely. wider platforms. Like if you think, I mean, the Arctic Monkeys, they came out of MySpace. They sort of wouldn't yeah. have. And I got really into them and that's yeah. how I found them through yeah, yeah, MySpace, yeah. yeah. That was, what a time, what yeah, a time. What a time to be alive. And they had <laughs> such a, you know, Arctic, Arctic Monkeys in particular had such a quintessentially British sound. Yeah, completely. And I loved that. I loved anything that sounded really, really British because I was like, yeah, that's a bit of me. I can relate to that. You could always identify a British night out through an Arctic Monkeys song. Like that's yeah. something that's only, that kind of nightlife that you only experience in Britain. And I think we're too kind of caught up with like nightlifers, like clubs and mm. dancing and all songs with that kind mm. of theme. Whereas Arctic Monkeys were like, Sometimes you're just out, <laughs> like yeah. you're just out with your friends, and it gets a bit messy. <laughs> and, and it's not even intentional. A lot of the time, it just happens. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Right, we're gonna get into another track, um, and this is Rowdy Bad by Levels. Rowdy Bad by Levels. They're brilliant levels. They're such a such an expansive crew of like incredibly talented Manchester lads. And it's all kind of spearheaded by the tour de force that is Rich Reason. And it's just so important, I think, that the Manchester music scene has something like that. Yeah. And, and um, Manchester's doing doing a lot for rap in the UK at the moment. Yeah, definitely. It's been a long time coming to actually, you know, for regions outside of London to get credibility for making their own collectives and making their own rap music is is very much seen as a thing that's located to London only, which is not true. And it's never really been true. But I think this is it's like an idea that we all have. Yeah. And it's easy to get lost in, in London being the centre of the UK and and all of the role models and all of the people who who are inspiring young people. I think it's about kind of accessing young people at a very grassroots level yeah and making them feel like just because they're not in London doesn't mean they can't do these incredible things that they want to do doesn't mean they can't create you know if they want to rap they can rap if they want to make art they can make art but it's a big part of what we do at Arts Emergency actually and we've we've now kind of started to spread into different regions throughout the country most notably Manchester because they've set up their own branch up there now that's that's doing really well and we're all really excited about that down here and and the more we kind of get to expand the more resources we're given the more donations we get like the more chance we have of reaching those maybe more hard to reach places
It's been such a pleasure to watch Galdem grow and be a small part of their journey, and I can't wait to see what they achieve in 2017. Finally, returning poet-in-residence Lewis Buxton delivers a spoken word piece that perfectly wraps up what has been a wonderful year for Arts Emergency and the podcast. New Year's Eve. Forget the stars, the clocks, the clubs, the bars that breed bad nights and long walks home. Meet me here, in the days which sit with their legs dangling off the end of the year. Let's not mourn and drink. Let's praise. Praise cold sand and hectic sea. Praise the sun trying to reach our December bones, the damp groins solid as tattoos on the ever-changing beach. Praise the clean J-cloth of sky soon covered in dirty clouds. Praise old women walking in their scarves, the dad with three kids and a dog against the wind. Praise him. Praise the year's worth of relatives and celebrities who have died, who meet us here, in the memory of the beach. Yes, our jobs are sideboards of dirty plates that even this holiday doesn't really clean away. But still, praise. Praise your tattooed spine, your Doc Martin feet. Praise the seasoning of grey hair nature thought would suit you even at 23. Praise the thought that life might not be another New Year's Eve, slow dancing with taxis and traffic lights trying to find another party to go to before the end of the night. Gorgeous. In October, we moved into our new, much bigger office and hired new team member, Karantava, an exciting sign that we are continuing to grow. In November, one of our mentees got an interview with Cambridge University, and nothing has made me feel more hopeful that we really can disrupt the hierarchy and truly change things for young working-class people in this country. In December, we matched over 80 new mentees with industry professionals ready for 2017. For those students, it's the beginning of an exciting journey that could open up a world of possibilities for them. And we at Arts Emergency cannot wait to see them soar. That's all for this year. If you'd like to find out more about the podcast or even contribute, please do get in touch via Twitter at Carla M. Sweet or at Arts Emergency. A massive, massive thank you to everyone that's been part of the podcast this year, everyone that's listened and each and every person that has donated to Arts Emergency or become a part of our network. I like to think that what goes around comes around and that would certainly mean a very happy 2017 for you lovely lot. This episode was produced by me, Carla Sweets, with contributions from Mandem on the Walls, Purcell Ascot and Joy Von Wade, Shay Adaobi, Kane Chatty, Deborah Pearson, Rihanna Dillon, Jam Supernova, Jamal Woon, Josie Long, Wise, Vicky Grout, Dean Atta, Millie J. McKeever, Himesh Patel, Elliot Barnes-Worrell, Chidera Agaru, Galdems, Antonia Adam-Lamy, and Varedzo, and Lewis Buxton. From all of us at Arts Emergency, have a very happy new year.